This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, operations and the customer service department, obviously critical to any business lean. We really haven't talked about that amid this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. All that much. You know, as everyone is struggling, then try to, you know, learn technology they've never used before or install new technology into their computers from home. And they, they just can't walk down, you know, the hall or, you know, go down two floors down or whatever and talk to somebody to get help with their computer issues or anything like that. Everyone's working remotely and having to do it from home, which provides its own unique challenges. And well, I, I think that we've got somebody on board here today or whatever who can speak to that. Absolutely. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel. All right. So the guest today, Justin Winter, he says not only is the sort of your, your ticket system you've got probably not doing it for you right now, he wants to also teach us how to flip the operations side of things, a, a cost center generally in terms of labor and servicing into a profit center particularly the way things are set up now. Uh, Justin is the co-founder and CEO of Boostopia, a SaaS platform that allows you to manage your newly work-from-home customer support team with the world's first support department operations platform. He exited his prior company. It was a fragrance company, right, Justin? Candle uh, yeah, basically candles and home fragrance. Yep. Yeah, uh, growing it to $22 million in annual sales. Wow, to focus on this new problem. Boostopia, the missing link to your support help desk software built for managers to understand, manage, and improve the team and the customer experience. And the company has also launched what's called a support operation audit. We're going to learn about that as well. And he's coming to us live from Durham, North Carolina, everyone. Justin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. So glad to be here today. So let's let's talk about this. Um, what are you hearing about, you know, not only the coronavirus, but in general, remote um, customer service. And, and really, how has it changed since before COVID? Yeah. 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 No, no, certainly. The changes that we're seeing in the marketplace as it relates to customer support, customer experience, uh, you know, customer success kind of departments is that most management styles for most departments were very in-person because with obviously this type of role interacting with a company's customers on a regular basis. There's just naturally a lot of uh, obviously communication and uh, just coaching that's happening um, between kind of those team leaders, those managers, and those kind of frontline contributors. So as soon as everyone was kind of forced to work from home for really most organizations, uh, the primary way that they would kind of work together was just kind of removed from them because they had never had to do that before. So figuring out how to, well, how do I, how do I understand and assess how someone is performing right now? If I can't, you know, listen to them while they're on the phone or, you know, kind of be there in person for like a coaching session. Um, you know, what does that look like now? And, you know, how can we continue to improve on things uh, in, you know, continue with the same management programs that we've had before. Um, but, uh, you know, kind of in this new world with these, with these new limitations. So uh, I think that's, you know, was a big fundamental shift, um, you know, for, for departments and, um, you know, has uh, forced people to kind of, 
more uh, uh, rely much more heavily on kind of the tooling that they're using to understand how people are performing, um, what the trends in uh, uh, you know customer experience and kind of support volume is. Uh, in order to figure out, well, hey, what do we need to be focusing on? What do we need to, what do we need to uh, you know, be working on improving right now uh, based on what we're seeing um, in our data and in our uh, systems uh, that we have? So it's definitely um, you know, caused a lot of people to have to grow pretty quickly in kind of their maturity with you know, using uh, tools and not just relying on kind of face-to-face, you know, hey, you know, you know, kind of informal uh, hey, what's been going on today? Any big trends you've been seeing in all your support conversations? Right. That's it's even though certainly you can hop on a Zoom and do that, uh, but um, it's just not as accessible like it was uh, before. So definitely, definitely a lot happening for sure. Are you hearing from your end users that customers are a little bit uh, more difficult or angsty these days? Uh, yeah, fair question. Um, so, uh, n- not particularly. I think uh, for companies that we work with who have been um, negatively affected by COVID in some way, uh, most of them have been taking steps to proactively communicate how that uh, is going to affect a, uh, a customer's uh, wait time or service level uh, in some way. So uh, we found that most customers for most of our companies have been really fairly understanding of, of that in the same way that they've had you know, challenges individually um, as, uh, you know, parents oftentimes and, and things like that um, to know that, hey, we're, we're all working from home and we're a little bit behind compared to normal because we're trying to stay safe and, we're, you know, we're trying to stay home and, uh, you know, those different types of things. Um, uh, you know, they have been um, fairly understanding um, from, from what I've heard by and large, I know, across all of our companies. So that's definitely been a, a huge help, um, you know, during, during this time for sure. So in your support operation audit, what are the components of that? And the reason I'm asking is that our listeners may want to perform this on their own or with your help, but um, yeah. what are the things we should be looking at? Yeah, definitely. So two of the big areas that we help companies examine, and you know, we have companies who literally just have one support team member, even just small as just one part-time support team member. Uh, to companies that have over, uh, you know, 100 full-time support agents. And you know, if they're interested in kind of a third-party look and view and assessment of, hey, how are we really doing, right? Uh, what, what, do we, what do we not know uh, about what we could be doing? Um, you know, the, the old, uh, we don't know what we don't know problem kind of thing. So uh, the, the audit, which we have our support analysts, you know, perform, you know, complimentary uh, for uh, for anyone who's interested and, and qualifies, we're um, able to kind of go through and compare a support operation and kind of the primary operational metrics of a support operation um, compared to the benchmark of the now over, you know, hundreds of times we've done this before to give someone an outside view of not just, hey, you know, here's something you can or should be doing with how you're managing things, but also if you were to do that thing, um, here's our projection in terms of that actual business value that you would garner from uh, kind of you know, developing that part of the operation. So uh, to, the, to the main areas, you know, or just number wise that we focus on is, is taking a look at, you know, what is a company, uh, 
currently or or not currently doing when it comes to what we would call deflection. So uh, that's kind of the art and the science of eliminating problems from occurring in the first place mm -hmm. so that customers don't have to talk to you if they don't want to. So the example I always give, you know, if I'm shopping online and I want to buy a pair of shoes um, and I buy a pair, let's say it's a red pair of shoes, they're shipped to my house, I open up the box and they're green. Well, obviously that's a bad experience for me. So I'm going to have to call up customer support and say, Hey, you sent me the wrong shoes. Can you help me out? And it doesn't matter how nice that person is and how quickly they just solve my issue. If they next, you know, if they next day, the shoes back out to me, I would have personally preferred to not have had that problem in the first place. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we could all say that and, and that, that might seem <laughs> obnoxiously simple, but um, so that's what really deflection is and, and how well is a company, um, you know, uh, make, you know, how, how easy are they making the experience so that they're not having tons of problems so that they have to talk to the support team and reach out and say, Hey, I have a problem. Can you fix the problem? Um, what about some of the other aspects that are maybe not so people centric, like, like chat bots and things like that. Uh, you know, people would prefer, you know, are you finding that more people would prefer to, to interact through, through a live chat or through a tick, you know, sending in a ticket rather than talking yeah. to a person or do you find it the other way around? Uh, yeah, so it, it really it really depends. Um, you know, there's definitely been this big boon in uh, kind of chat bots. You know, we're all seeing them everywhere. Um, you know, there we see them executed very poorly, very mm. frequently. And it's like, oh, it's a chat bot. What's a chat bot? You know, and I feel like companies are like, well, this seems fancy. Let's try that. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, instead of uh, like we regularly see situations where a chat bot is basically like, basically like a forced like help center article search uh, yeah. like function. But, but the problem is like before, like a search bar actually does pretty good, right? Like a Google search is not a Google chat bot to like search the internet. That would be ridiculous, <laughs> right? So, you know, forcing a like six step, you know, which of these five categories and you click them and then the like clearly fake robot chat bot has the right. stupid three second wait. And it's like, we, I know you're not a person, right? <laughs> like, you, why are you, why are you making me wait to give me back this next set of results? Right. So, um, the, the distinction that we're seeing is that it's really about customers want to number one, not have problems in the first place. And then number two, if they do have a problem, they want that problem or that misunderstanding where they need more additional information. They want to get to that solution as fast as possible, right? Because the lesser the time, the lesser the hassle, and we all want less hassle. So if I have a question like, how much does shipping cost? You know, would I rather talk to a person uh, or, you know, wait 60 seconds and get connected with someone on live chat to get my question answered? Or would I rather just find right on the website how much shipping costs and have it done within five seconds? Well, I'd rather have done in five seconds, right? If I can, because that's faster for me. So I think companies are doing this well, where they're thinking really strategically about when it comes to basic, straightforward, information-based, clarification-based uh, issues, let's let technology do what technology is good at. And that is speed, right? Accessibility. It never sleeps. You never have to pay it overtime. Um, and then let's protect 
our team from having to be glorified robots and answer those types of questions so we can free up their time to have higher value questions and conversations directed towards them where they can solve complex problems, right? And where they can have value add conversations where instead of, you know, hey, here's the shipping policy, it's the customer asking, hey, I'm thinking about buying a pair of red shoes, but I have this other product, what would you recommend product expert, right? Mm -hmm. Support departments would much rather be having that conversation, right? And that's a way to create business value, not just be a glorified robot giving someone the answer to an FAQ. I think it's really about how can you get the customer the answer they're looking for as quickly as possible. So it's like, if you can put it on the website, put it there. If you can do it in live chat, do it there. But then, but then if it, you have to talk to a person, like when you gave the example of, hey, I, I, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm looking to buy whatever, what would you recommend? And it's like, and that might require a couple follow-up questions, and that might require a couple of different product options. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and for the user to actually try to go and use a search box or whatever to try to figure all that out on their own, mm-hmm. uh, assuming that they even knew what questions, to, you know, what things to search for, mm-hmm. uh, much quicker to actually talk to a person. So I think it really, yep. in my mind, it really is all about the, the speed of getting the, the, the buyer the information that they need as quickly as possible. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. It seems to me that the pathway to that, and this is just comes from an experience I had yesterday, is more and more integration to create efficiencies, which is where the profit comes from having this all set up, right, Justin? The reason I ask, for example, I sent a, a box to Lee and it got lost by the post office, but it was an Amazon box. And the minute I got the notifier that the box was officially lost, I could click something and I, within 90 seconds, they had given me a refund and it, because it, all the systems were talking to each other. Yeah. And so, I mean, what, it, what are some of the other ways you recommend integrating in levers that can make that so fast and easy? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and this is another great example of, you know, the amount of time it took for you to go from, I need this thing done to having that thing done was made much, much shorter because they had developed a one button click solution where most companies historically, if you needed to get that process done, you had to have an email exchange or you had to talk to someone. So obviously the only way to accomplish that is through, you know, tooling and integration of, you know, the site with those backend systems. So I think for most companies, depending on their industry and their vertical, um, so let's say for the e-commerce kind of consumer goods category, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, a product return is a product return is a product return. It doesn't matter if you sell you know, shoes or food on the internet. Um, you know, there's a large number of, um, uh, technology solutions that exist out there where you can kind of tap into a platform like that, that can integrate with the tools you're already using. So, uh, if you're in a uh, in kind of a category like that, um, one of the first places I would go is say, hey, like, let me look around. I can't be the first person to be interested in, you know, automating this use case and making this easier for customers. So I would start there. And then, you know, for companies who maybe are software companies and maybe there's more complex um, uh, workflows, they're in a B2B environment. Uh, that's where definitely um, oftentimes looking in the integrations directories of your ticketing systems is a great, you know, first place to look at, you know, any tooling that might connect with, uh, let's say your subscription billing system, but that integrates with your ticketing system. So if someone wants to, you know, um, adjust 
their plan level or something like that. Well, that's, that's be a great example of something that could be automated, right? Um, so that's a great place to start. And then I think over time, uh, what is super important um, when it comes to this type of stuff and why we see companies don't move this direction is that they have a hard time quantifying the potential value of automating something like that. So um, we actually uh, here now, actually just a couple weeks ago, we released our uh, completely free uh, insights reporting products, which uh, you know would also uh, you know would love anyone to check out and give give us feedback as we've just released that. Um, but one of the things that that does is it connects to your ticketing system where your support team lives to have all of your conversations, your phone calls, chat, your email conversations, and we combine that activity data that already exists in there with the time data of how long it takes a team member to have that conversation to solve that problem. And then we also add your cost data. So how much am I paying the people to spend the time to have that conversation? And when you have all of that data in one place, um, and some companies do this now, they just make custom spreadsheet models that they have to manually update. Um, you know, and it takes, it takes a couple hours every time they want to do that once a week or once a month. But when you do that and you can see that, oh, hey, Last month, we had 327 conversations about, could you please change my plan level, <laughs> let's say. And on average, it takes our team 10 minutes to manually make that adjustment for a customer based on how much we pay our people, right? That's going to be $2,000 a month, right? Let's say. So for support leaders and operations leaders to be able to actually understand that kind of cost burden, that time burden for the department, and to be able to articulate it in a way that is powerful, that the rest of the company understands, that is a huge uh, kind of gap right now for most companies. So if that support team leader is able to go to the engineering department, right, or to go to the finance department and say, hey, I figured out we're spending three grand a month on this one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so, gosh, that's, 36 grand a year. So if we could invest, let's say $15,000 in some special project to build some special tooling to make this click button automated, well, that's a six month payback period. That would actually probably be a very good investment for the company to make. Now, all of a sudden, if you can have that conversation, you just unlock the natural incentives that exist within any for-profit enterprise, right? to improve the customer experience because you're saving time, which is also good for the customer. So it's really this, it's not one or the other, um, making the experience better for the customer uh, for situations like that uh, can also save the company time and money to free them up to have more proactive and higher uh, value conversations. My last question for you today, Justin, is a big one, I think. And let's say we've inspired some people to wanna take a, a closer look at improving uh, their customer support. And, you know, we've touched on speed already. What are the other th one or two things in that really separate those companies that, that do a really good job with customer support and those that don't? Yeah. So one of the big differentiators that, that we see is that um, great customer experiences are created, uh, created by companies who focus on engaging uh, their team and have a regular focus on operational improvement. So what I mean by that is most companies, they really only care about maintenance 
Are we getting back to everyone within one business day? Is our CSAT score nice and high? And yes, those are important things, uh, but uh, really the continual process of saying, hey, how can we continually be training, empowering our individual team members um, and really supporting them to hit new goals as opposed to top-down management where we're treating them like commodities that we wanna pay as little as possible. How can we really engage them and unlock just their creativity, their problem-solving ability to motivate them, to encourage them, to recognize them, to reward them, right? So you, you do that and then on the other side, you need to have your support leadership and your operations leadership who are never happy with the status quo. It should always be about hey, we have an understanding of our foundational numbers and how everything is looking right now, but um, how are we going to improve this month, this quarter on those core numbers so you're constantly improving? And if, if you focus on those two areas, uh, what we see is that uh, that is the recipe for creating next generation, world-class customer experiences that lead to customers who are happier, who stay around longer, which means more revenue, for the company. Terrific ideas. If you have questions for Justin, his Twitter, JC Winter, just like the season, and the website, boostopia.com. Justin, all great ideas, a lot to think about. Um, and anytime you can help our listeners find a way to put a value within their uh, department, within a complex organization, it's a win because you get a stronger seat at the table. That's what I always say. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.